As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to a bumper festive edition of Pod on the Tyne. My name is Taylor Payne and I am here to empty my sack of joy all over your living room floor. Joined, as always, by George Corkin and Chris Woff. How are we doing, lads? I'm alright, yeah. Good. Chris? I'm um, not too bad, thank you. Yes, not too bad. Streamlined Lovely. now, just been for my haircut, so... Outstanding, a Christmas trim. Can, Coming up I'll, on this I'll, week's show. Oh, no, 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 wait. wait. Hey hey he has just been for a Christmas Christmas trim, which is which is good and festive and very nice. He has just I've have just spoken to him on the phone though, and he said he's had his hair textured. I've no Chris idea. What that means. He said his hair textured. Normally he gets it textured with a pudding basin. Yeah. And I'm just I, I really want to see this. Is it better than your your lockdown haircut, Chris? Which uh, looked like it had been done with a knife and fork. I'd say it's less special. It's <laughs> <laughs> textured. Chris, you will always be special in my eyes. Never forget that. So coming up on this week's show, we're going to be looking back at those West Brom and Leeds games, the uh, the passing in the midfield dilemma that Newcastle currently have. We'll be talking about the lads' Newcastle Christmas stockings, Isaac Hayden's Christmas COVID miracle, uh, the fullback situation that we have, and which current and former players would you like to make a Christmas bubble with? We'll also have a little look forward towards the festive period as well. Anyway, chaps, are we ready? Are we sitting comfortably in front of the fire? Then let us begin. George, if you had to buy Hello. Steve Bruce a Christmas present this year, what would you get him? I mean, probably a midfield. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> quite, quite possibly a defence. Um, and what about an attack? <laughs> I mean, while we're on, while we're on, <laughs> while we're on, may, might may, as well. may, may as well get three for the price of two. That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be good. What about you, Chris? What would you get Steve Bruce for a present for Christmas? I think I would get him a pork pie. We know my obsession with meat, but also Steve Bruce and his How's the Bacon, did you say? I didn't, didn't want to quite get yeah. a bacon because he's got that, so I'll just get him a pork pie instead. Outstanding. I think you'd appreciate that quite a lot. I was going to go for, you know, you know that ball, that dry balls kit that we advertised a few weeks ago? <laughs> I was going to oh. I think we'd get him one of them. I think he'd like that. Well, I haven't used mine yet, so we could re-gift that. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> 
<laughs> Moving swiftly on, um, there's been an update here with regards to BN Sports and their new deal with the Premier League. Uh, announcements dropped today uh, that they've signed a new deal uh, with the same terms as the last one and the impacts that it has on the Newcastle United potential takeover. Uh, Chris, what do we know about this and where's this come from? Well, the short answer would be we're still not exactly sure how it's going to impact upon the takeover, but having spoken to people today, and uh, Matt Slater and I have written a piece looking at it, and essentially, yes, yeah, so what BN Sports have, have agreed is, I think it's through till 2025 now, a three-year extension of their TV rights deal, and it is for the whole of the Middle East and North Africa region, so that's all of the countries there, uh, including, in theory, Saudi Arabia, although we know that BN Sports do not actually have a license to operate in Saudi Arabia. But what this does do is sort of quell the sort of stories and reports are out there suggesting that Saudi Arabia were going to bid for their own TV rights. This would suggest that that is either impossible or certainly very difficult for them mm. to do so. But speaking to people in, in, in and around, certainly from the buyer side, that the suggestion is that, that they don't see this as as being the sort of negative that some have portrayed as. Some have said this basically means, right, well, there can't have been any progress at all with the prospective takeover with arbitration and the likes because uh, if the Premier League are agreeing a deal with being sports and also allowing being sports to come out and, and quite clearly infer they're talking about uh, Saudi Arabia when they talk about piracy and, and, and things like that mm, today in, yeah. in their statement, the protection of of sort of uh, the, the rights of, of television holders. That, but they don't see it necessarily that way. They basically just see that, that, well, this is a relationship that was already there, being sports, obviously been vocal throughout it. And uh, arbitration is, well, it hasn't yet taken place, but the arbitration process is still going on behind the scenes. Uh, the Premier League and Newcastle United have to select uh, one independent uh, arbitrator each and then sorry they pick one arbitrator each and then there's an independent one which they have to agree on otherwise the FA steps in so that is still where that is that hasn't progressed any further necessarily it's Newcastle United and Mike Ashley who are taking the arbitration against the Premier League not the prospective buyers because the football club has to do it so essentially this is it, it was interesting news and it wasn't something we necessarily expected to come out today but the 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 idea that this is suddenly either the death knell of the takeover or as some people have alternatively portrayed it, suddenly this is a massive breakthrough for the takeover. I don't think it's quite either of those, or at least it isn't obvious at this stage that it is either of those things. It's uh, pretty fitting, isn't it, that the year which uh, which began with that big story breaking in the Wall Street Journal about the takeover should sort of end with this, uh, with this thing just lingering on. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I was going yeah, to say, it only I mean, a year, George? Chris, it feels a lot longer, yeah, doesn't it? Well, it is. It's three years. It's it's actually three years, but uh, yeah. but but a year in the public domain with this version of it. Chris has sort of taken the strain on this story today, but the message that's that's sort of come back to me from the bidders is that they they knew about this, they're not concerned about it, and they're and they're st- still progressing in the way that they were beforehand but you know as with this as with this story all throughout the year it's so complicated it's um it's and it's kind of interminable so yeah i think sort of everybody will just get on with their life won't they i think we're gonna have to won't we and i mean newcastle united have got much more pressing matters to deal with at the moment haven't they with regards to league form and all that sort of stuff um, did you deliberately use the term pressing there as the suggestions because that is something they cannot deal with or was that just <laughs> I'm going to say, yes, I did, Chris, because that would sound really clever and like I meant it. But actually, no, it was a complete accident. Um, Newcastle United's performances, yeah. So, I mean, we had the uh, the game against West Brom where we picked up three points. Um, again, not a vintage performance, really, was it? And then last night's, um, what was it, embarrassment at the hands of Leeds United? 
and all of the uh, the fallout that's came with that. I mean, it's been a it's been a, a very Newcastle United week, hasn't it, George? It's it's kind of given us with one hand and then booted us clean in the knackers with the other foot, hasn't it? It's not been a yeah. great week. No, it's it's very much in keeping with what this team does. I mean, frig me, how many times have we sort of talked about that? That, that you know, they get a decent result and then they lurch to lurch to something else. Mm. Um, I was there. Uh, at the weekend for the West Brom game and I mean you say it wasn't vintage I mean it's vintage this Newcastle I mean it really is um, yeah. you know um, you know very much in in keeping with that I, ca- I came away from the weekend just sort of feeling pleased that they got through it there was a lot of mitigation at the weekend you know those circumstances of having all those players out not really being able to get on to the training ground to do anything until the Wednesday Covid had gone through the ranks and you know they had a midfielder at centre half, etc., etc., etc. So for me to kind of get through that 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 um, game with a win in my book, that goes down as a really good win. Not because mm. it was fun to watch or pleasant or pleasurable or anything like that, but in the circumstances, it was a really good win. I was always a little bit concerned about Leeds, um, bearing in mind those circumstances, because yeah. they're not a team you want to go up against if you've got fatigue in your body or mm. uh, you know bits they were of- relentless, weren't they? Well, they're, 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 they're I mean, they're, they're, they are good to watch. I mean, they're, I was talking to Chris about this today. I mean, they're they're so aggressive, and I don't mean aggressive in a dirty lead sense. They're just aggressive in their fitness, aren't they? The way they push and push and push and they push forward, you would love, <laughs> you would love Newcastle to play like that. I mean, at least I would to have that sort of energy and fight and hunger. And they did score a couple of really good goals from their perspective, but God, it was just disastrous. Uh, from our perspective, certainly the last 12, 13 minutes, you know, Steve Bruce kind of said afterwards that they'd that Newcastle were in the game until the 75th minute and he was right in the sense of the scoreline, um, mm. but he wasn't really right in the sense of anything else. I mean, it's what this Newcastle managed to do. They do manage to sort of cling on and hang in there. And at that point, you know, 70 minutes mark, I wouldn't have been surprised if Newcastle had kind of won because they're able to do that. Mm. And Leeds just, they give space up. So there's space to attack into. But yeah, it fell away really, really badly. And yeah, I mean, when a player uses phrases like embarrassment and schoolboy and things like that, you know, there's no point in us sugarcoating it. It was frigging miserable, wasn't it? It was. I mean, Chris, like, Newcastle really, they'll have known what to expect from Leeds United, won't they? They'll have known what was coming. Bielsa, anyone who's followed Bielsa's career over the years knows exactly how he sets his teams up. He knows he has them drilled and they press and they run and they hurry and don't give you a minute's piece. Uh, and they attack quickly as well. And, and Steve Bruce must have known that going into the game. Is, is there anything else he could have done? Well, when I saw the starting lineup, I, I was surprised. And my immediate reaction was that I thought it was going to be five at the back. And I didn't like the idea of it being five at the back. And subsequently, having seen the game, and this is very much in hindsight, <laughs> and I admit this, I think he probably should have gone with five at the back. And there's a few reasons for that, as much as, as negative as that may have been in some ways. I think that clearly by the final 20 minutes, Isaac Hayden and Federico Fernandez were struggling physically. Well, if they'd been the in a back yeah. three, then potentially that may have covered them a little bit more. Also, Jacob Murphy at right back. We're going to talk more about that later on in it. But I think if he'd been a right wing back and also Jamal Lewis on the side as a wing back, that probably would have helped. Really, I think they just needed extra bodies in the middle. Like they could have done with someone else in midfield. They really got overrun there as they, as they regularly do. I thought that at times mm. against West Brom, even they allowed uh, Conor Gallagher to, to dominate in that area. So. There probably were the things you could do. 
I'm not in any way defending the performance because for 70 minutes they were completely outplayed anyway. But the final 15, 20 minutes, I do think it has slightly been underplayed. I mean, the, the two goals I conceded towards the end were embarrassing, but the, you could see Newcastle were physically shattered. And I do think that there is, again, a slight mitigating factor that we don't know how they've recovered physically. Some of those players have had COVID. We don't know exactly how they are. That doesn't excuse the first 70 minutes when they were completely outplayed anyway. But I do think towards the end of the match, there is a slight mitigating factor there but really I mean Leeds were, were thoroughly dominant and the number of shots they had the number of crosses they had it could and should have been as, as the final scoreline was 5-2 they, they ended up it wasn't it wasn't a scoreline that flattered them that last 15 minutes and it's it's a parallel to that Man United game isn't it uh, when we we seem to be in the game but not really in the game you know we were in the game but you know we never really challenged uh, and then the last 10 minutes everything goes to shit doesn't it and and players start dropping left, right and centre through fatigue and through tiredness and stuff like that and there's there's nothing you can do and Leeds were ruthless weren't they, they took their chances uh, really well, uh, the one where they were queuing up at the back post though, oh god, Yeah. I kind of tur- yeah. turned away from the TV at that point, I was like I can't, I can't watch that, that's just that's just not good enough is it? That was ugly and I think it sort of makes us all think oh well this was coming, you know this, this was coming because that's the way Newcastle play in actual fact, it hasn't come. I mean, it's taken a long time for it to come, um, because because I mean, there is something to be said. There is something to be said for dogging it out and and sort of hanging in there. And if you do, the longer you do that, you do have a chance to win. But yeah, it was it was ugly. The defending the defending was really bad. There was no, as Chris said, there was no protection elsewhere. We we will chat about those things. Um, so yet again, we're in a position where there really does need to be a response. Um, because that wasn't acceptable. So there'll be changes. And we're back in that position of, well, how do they set up? What do they do? Who goes where? There were so many questions around the team. But um, yeah, no, it was it was awful. One of the biggest issues that we had last night was was absolutely retaining possession of the ball and being being careful with the ball and, and giving it away cheaply and stuff like that. And Chris, you've you've just written a piece about the passing and the passing statistics uh, to go with Newcastle United and, and, the, and the current dilemma that we have in the midfield over who plays and, and, and what their job is and all that sort of stuff. And it was, it was there for all to see last night, wasn't it? It was. I mean, this is not a new issue for Newcastle, but last night was very much the Nadir. So, I mean, they attempted 242 <laughs> passes to Leeds 521. And of Newcastle's 242 passes, only 161 found the intended touch. So that's a, that's a basically one in every three passes Newcastle attempted did not find the intended target. And in general, their passing accuracy is is the third worst in the Premier League. It's only 76%, less than 76%. And the main issue is, is in games like last night where the, the opposition press. And so what you need is you need someone who can take the ball under pressure and who can recycle possession well. And Newcastle don't do that well enough. When John Shelby is in the team, he can he can do that to a certain extent, yeah. but he's more of a deep-line yeah. playmaker. And it was interesting that Steve Bruce took him out of the team last night. I thought that was probably the correct decision physically and in terms of the way Newcastle play. But then when he wasn't in the team, Sean Longstaff is struggling at the moment. Um, he, yes. he's, he's not necessarily finding finding that his best form. He's had a couple of, of, of better games, and then last night was he, he really struggled. Isaac Hayden hasn't actually on the ball isn't or hasn't shown yet that he is he is necessarily the best at, at passing the ball on and recycling it. And then we had Jeff Hendrick at, at, on the right hand side of midfield as well. And I, and I know he scored, but I'm still struggling to know exactly what he brings because I don't even it think was he literally the, to do. Sorry, it was the only on. thing he did in the entire game. 
Yeah, and it and was literally the only thing he did. It really is a problem, and, and Steve Bruce has wanted a midfielder for a long while. Rafa Benitez wanted midfielders before him. This is a problem they've had for a while. They lost more Diarmi, so they don't have a, a physical presence in there. But nor do they have someone who, if you give them the ball under pressure, will take it and just play that simple pass and keep the ball. Because Newcastle have so little possession. It is the average share of possession this season is second lowest in the Premier League, thirty-eight point nine percent. That thirty-one point five percent last night. But the issue is when they get the ball they quite often give it away as well. They don't have the ball for most of the game, and then when they have it, they're not efficient enough with it. So that that really is is a, is a systemic problem that's been there for a while. I mean, there, there's interesting things. I mean, I've seen a lot sort of in the last kind of couple of days, two or three days, about Hayden, about Shelby, about Longstaff, what you do and how you fix it. I mean, I do remember, I mean, the best football that Newcastle have played since they've been back in the Premier League was the second half of the Second season yeah. with uh, with Benitez as manager. I think we'd all agree with that, wouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with Longstaff and, had, and Hayden in the middle. With Longstaff and Hayden in the middle, so they can yeah. do it. And in front of them, they had Perez, they had Rondon, and they had Almiron. Now Newcastle do have, you know, they have the potential to set up in a fairly similar way now. Now that they've got Wilson, you know, Almiron's still there. They've got St. Maxima, okay, he's different. Um, but they have Fraser now. There are ways of sort of setting up in a similar way. But, I mean, there are things to be said about players falling out of form. I think that's true. But it's, I mean, the way the way they set up yesterday, I think Chris and I spoke at half time, and it was like, it's not just a case of sitting back. They were sitting. They were sitting so far back. They weren't making a tackle until way, way into the final third, or they weren't trying to make a tackle into the final third. And I don't know if that was uh, on purpose, if that was a de- deliberate sort of strategy. But it puts them so much under pressure. And then they weren't closing down enough on the flanks either. So the fullbacks had had bad games. They had poor games. They were put under pressure. And you just struggle to see what the what the sort of thinking was in the match, what the idea was. They were being pressed, pressed and pressed back, but they just went further back. They didn't try and break things down. I mean, I think it's I think it's really difficult for midfield players. I think it's difficult for, for all of them, but it's difficult for, for, for midfield players to, you know, to, to be better at passing because they just don't see the ball. And then when they get the ball, their team's under pressure. And so there isn't an out ball. But, I mean, you know, those stats that Chris has mentioned, they're, they're absolutely appalling. I mean, yeah. you know, to have half the number of passes as leads, okay, fair enough. But to then, you know, to, to then be so bad. But it's that is a team that's under pressure. That, and it, but the thing is, they put themselves under pressure. It's not just yeah. the pressure that other teams they invite put it on, under. don't they? They invite it on. And yeah. then when they get the ball, they, they have so few options it's it's frustrating because i think if there was a bit more if you know they they definitely have the the pace and the capability to counterattack because we saw that a few times and particularly with the way you know and whether whether that was part of the thinking to sort of invite leads onto them and then get behind them they did that on a few occasions mm. actually they did do it but it was very haphazard and they, they they don't want control and you can you can sort of have control of a game and not have the ball, and I, you know, that that might sound a bit weird, but you can have a strategy, and you can have a, you, you can be comfortable in a game and not have the ball as long as you know yeah. what you're doing. But they, they're not, they weren't, you know, this team is not comfortable. They're never comfortable. I mean, they were so deep at times that they were, they might as well have been defending the pavilion ended headingly. You know, that's how <laughs> deep they were. They were, it was again last ditch blocks and last ditch tackles and Carl Darlow making saves and. 
you know, stuff like that. And I think one of the stats I saw at half time was that Leeds had had five or six corners and we hadn't had any, and it was 70 30 possession and stuff like that. And it's there, there, there was it something gives me a headache like, to watch it, George. Th- there was something like 17 crosses into the box in the first 40 minutes or something. There was something yeah. astonishing like that. And they weren't cutting out, and that's it, they weren't like cutting out the ball. So the ball was coming into them right in front of the keeper. And that's what I mean. I mean, that is not sustainable. That is that is not sustainable. Defending, if you're actually defending, is fair enough. I mean, it's it's not great to watch, but it's it's okay. If you put in blocks, if you stop the ball coming in uh, to the danger area, can, you can frustrate the opposition and then you can hit them on the counter-attack. But the ball was coming right into the most dangerous part of the field. Mm. And yeah, it does give you a headache to watch. I mean, it's... Well, it's Leeds had 28 open play crosses and 25 that's shots. astonishing. It's astonishing that, and it does. I mean, we will talk oh about God. the kind of the fullbacks, and, and because, I mean, it was it was kind of again. There's another irony there because the substitutes that that uh, the manager made at the weekend work work perfectly. They work really well, and um, he put two wingers in at fullback position and again that was a strategy that worked really well it allowed um it allowed Newcastle to have more kind of attacking players on the on the pitch and it, and there was an mm-hmm. immediate you know there was an immediate sort of dividend in terms of Murphy and and Gale and it worked really well but the fullbacks feel like a real problem again now can i find one positive from last night though go on go for it i did think that Ryan Fraser gave something a bit different we haven't seen much of him and he still needs time to get fit. But first of all, he can actually deliver a set piece, which is he something can, we haven't yeah. seen in a long while. Got the assist for, for Kieran Clark. So, that the, was the noticeable when he finished. went off, by the way, because the standard of the set pieces went down dramatically after he went it, it off. Did, it, it did indeed. But also just how direct he is. And he's not only direct, he's, he's good at making decisions, uh, as in when he gets the byline, he puts the cross in, or he, he seems to know what he's going to do beforehand. One of the criticisms I maybe have... Of, of Sam Maximan and Almiron sometimes is when they're in the final third they don't always seem sure about what they're going to do Fraser has conviction in whatever he, he sets out to do maybe the ball doesn't turn out to be the right one but he, he seems to know before he gets it this is what I'm going to try and do and he's got that already clearly has that has rekindled that relationship with Wilson and so I think if, if Newcastle can get him fit then that gives them something that's a little bit different and hopefully someone who can provide a bit more service for, for, for Wilson or Gale whoever's playing up front well, if you want to delve deeper into Newcastle's passing statistics and the midfield dilemmas at the moment, Chris's piece that we're just discussing there is up on the website today. Uh, and you can find that at www.theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. And if you take out a subscription at the moment, you can get a free subscription as a gift for anyone that you choose. What a wonderful Christmas present that is. Talking about Christmas presents, George Culkin. Yes. Uh, if you would have one thing in your Newcastle United stocking this Christmas. What would you have? What would you like to find on Christmas morning? I mean, I just want three points. You know, that'd be the best Christmas present. That's what that's, that's what you have to say in football, don't you? Just want three points, yeah. Just want just, three uh, points, yeah. yeah. It's my birthday. Yeah. I just, just want three points. Take one game yeah. at a time. Just three take points. one game. I want three points. Christmas stocking, yeah. three points. Well, um, if you have Kevin Nolan a red card early on. Oh, he, Christmas he, period. Do you know what? He hated that accusation, Didn't and yet it and yet it was absolutely accurate. He always. I, a, I mean, I, I know Kev well, and I interviewed him a few times. I I always mention that this time of year. This time of year, Kev, it was always a good time for you, wasn't it? Because um, you got to spend a lot of time with the family. I know, I know. It's like everyone always said I did that. Yeah, come on, you did that on purpose. Anyway, he um, he didn't like that, but 
I'm pretty sure that's accurate. What about you, Chris? What would you like to find in your stocking? Uh, Alan Shearer's right foot. Oh, lovely. That's quite grim, actually. What? <laughs> just his foot? <laughs> just his well, hope, dis- dismembered right foot? Messy, and then you can Chris. put him back up front. Newcastle. Well, to be fair, that's one of the few positions they're all right in at the minute. Is this like one of those mail-order things where you get a magazine free with part one and you build an, an Alan Shearer? Over the so if, I, if, I, if I misunderstood the question, was the question not severed what one? Right I, I, I don't know. I'm confused. Severed right foot. Chris wants a severed right foot. <laughs> my my stocking would have to be massive because I would like 1996 Rob Lee in there and just drop him into our midfield. You're no better than Chris. No, he's still people. alive, though. There's not been bits yeah, yeah, off him. Kidnapping Rob Lee. And, and no, 1996 Rob Lee, not now Rob Lee. You're taking right. him out of the entertainer's side. The, 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 no, Chris, this is not how timelines work in films, man. Have you not seen Avengers Endgame? You put him back when you're done with him. Of course he hasn't Come seen on. Avengers Endgame. I have, I have not seen it. I have seen Harry Potter, though, when she when Hermione turns the time thing. Right, that's enough of that. Can I, can I say, this is irrelevant, except about films. So at Go the on, start then. of this... Was it the second lockdown? I can't remember if I mentioned it on here before. I set myself the challenge of watching every single Carry On film and every single James Bond film. And I have to say, I have never, ever been more tired of living than I am right now, having just reached Octopussy in James Bond. (laughs) And although actually the Carry On films are kind of getting okay, it's the start of Barbara Windsor, so that's kind of a bit better. God bless her. God bless her. God bless it. But it's um there's a lot of so shit in both of those. It's quite a way to go then with James Bond. Yeah, it's the end of it's it's the end of Roger Moore. Um, um but it's um yeah, it's it's really there's some there's some really bad moments in that series, it has to be said. So if I could have anything in my stockings it would just be it would be those both of those box sets on fire. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, one thing I would like to, uh, one thing that does, I see, this sounds like a, a Christmas movie, Isaac Hayden's Christmas COVID miracle. I would like to talk about that, chaps. His, I have to say, I want to make a point about his performance against West Brom because the lad had had 11 days of nothing, three days training, and then was put into the team in an unfamiliar position and he played a blinder, didn't he? And, and what, a, what, a, what a performance from the lad. Yeah, he was really good. He was really good. Um, I mean, you know, what happened at Leeds sort of spoils everything, really. But um, mm. I do, as I said, I do think that was a good, it was a good all-round performance as a, you know, as a team just to kind of get through that. But he was definitely the standard bearer for it. He was very close to admitting himself to hospital. I know that. Wow. Um, so they they really struggled. I think I think he had a couple of kind of bad days. Thought he was through it, and then astonishing, isn't it? Uh, and then and then kind of uh, it hit him again. But yeah, he was effectively in bed. He was effectively in bed for for ten for ten days. His missus had it. Their little girl had it. And um, no, he was in a really bad. He was in a really bad way. And he has played centre half 
before. He's done it for us. He's done it in a back five um, a, a couple of times, but it's very different playing in a back four. And he did it at Arsenal. Um, you know, a couple of times he was sort of seen as a centre-half at various points. Um, and in fact, Steve Bruce Steve Bruce said afterwards, um, I asked him about it afterwards, and he said that it was his chief scout at Hull, Stan Turnant, who basically said, you know, they've Arsenal have got this brilliant centre half. Um, you know, we mm. should have a look at him. And then they they signed him at they signed him in, in midfield and he didn't play a huge amount for, for Hull anyway. But so that was obviously that was obviously in Steve Bruce's mind with the lack of centre halves they had. But yeah, he did he did really well. And it's it's funny, he sort of said afterwards it was that it's 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 just a different position in terms of concentration. You have to he said physically it's easier than playing in midfield because sort of in midfield I guess you you know it's it's moving all the time it's it's that kind of thing but mentally it's much more it's much more difficult because you have to concentrate you have to concentrate that bit much harder and I suppose if it's not your natural position that makes it uh, makes it worse but yeah yeah well not for the first time I'll praise praise Isaac Hayden but no he was he was really good he was really good Isaac Hayden's covid christmas miracle sounds like an ITV show doesn't it chris channel 5 channel 5 it's uh, Isaac visits uh, sick children and uh, sliding tackles them on the front lawn. Something, something along those lines. I haven't developed this idea fully yet, but I, that's, no. that's the vibe I'm getting. But he was Good. great, wasn't he, Chris? He, he he really stepped up and bless the lad. He, I mean, I, I know what it's like to have COVID. It's not a particularly pleasant experience, and the fatigue that comes with it afterwards as well is is horrible. And for him to play two full games uh, back to back a week after after having gone through that is is astonishing, isn't it? Oh, the, playing the two games in such a short space of time. I mean, Bruce in his press conference on Tuesday had said about how he's going to have to look at physically which players were going to be ready to start again, and some came out of the team, and I think some of that was down to physical reasons. But I was convinced that Isaac Hayden would be one of them. I couldn't see how he was going to start, but then he played the full game, and yeah, maybe last 10, 20 minutes, he, he was like his teammates, really fatigued, but astonishing to, to have played those 180 minutes. I thought he did do really well against West Brom. I thought there was a little bit too much afterwards maybe of this idea that that should be his position long term. I still don't necessarily think he should be taken out midfield just yet. I do think he brings a lot in terms of ability to break up play in midfield, which Newcastle don't necessarily have elsewhere. And also, and this is not to try and downplay his own performance, but I, I would temper how well he played by the fact that I, I don't think West Brom really offered that much. There were, there were different challenges in both halves. Charlie Austin came on second half, but it wasn't as if he was up against one of the very best attacks in the Premier League. No. West Brom weren't brilliant, but that's not to try and take away from him. He's playing out of position. He'd had COVID. It, it was excellent, but I'm not sure on the basis of that 90-minute performance I'd suddenly be saying he's, he's the future centre-back. Stop it, Chris, man. you Christmas Grinch every time. You're taking away George's fun. George, just happy to see... Isaac there, bouncing around at centre-half, and you're coming in here with your theories and your logic. Shut up. And your, and your textured hair. Yeah, and your severed Alan Shearer. He's not, been the, he's not been the same since he's had his textured hairstyle, has he? That's what it is. He must think he's Rod Stewart or somebody now. I think That's he does. Disgusting, honestly. Newcastle would on Santa's Christmas list this year. Would they be naughty or nice? What do you reckon, Chris? Have Newcastle <laughs> been good enough this year, or have they been naughty boys and they all deserve a lump of coal? They've been nice to a lot of opposition teams. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it depends who you ask. <laughs> uh, I would say, in terms of aesthetically, definitely, definitely uh, on the naughty list. That's, uh, mm. I'm afraid. 
But as far as sort of league position goes and stuff like that, what do we think? I mean, it's not. It's not no, terrible, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to use the word nice because about any sort of anything to do with it. I mean, not their personalities. I'm sure they're all delightful, but um, <laughs> in terms of the sort of team. They're not nice to watch. They're not nice to... Um, it's just not nice, are they? Um, in terms of where they've finished in the league last season, yeah, that was much better than the alternative. It could could have been a lot nastier. Same applies now, I guess. Um, although it doesn't look... The table doesn't look quite as good um, uh, today as it did at the weekend. I don't want to give them a call because that sort of... I mean... I, <sighs> They're they're a team, you know. They're a team, and so I think that would be harsh. I think they've tried. I think they try. So no, I'm gonna. I'll have to say. I think I'll have to err on the side of nice. They do deserve mm. a Christmas present, but maybe they should have a kick up the backside while they when they get given it. <laughs> Fair enough. Excellent stuff. Uh, so to speak about the fullback situation we have at the minute. Um, Jamal Lewis looked a little bit out of sorts recently, hasn't he? And we've been playing a right winger for all intents and purposes uh, at right back uh, with, um, I can't remember the lad's name, Jacob Murphy. <laughs> Jesus. Jacob Murphy at right back. Um, what's going on with the fullbacks at the minute? It, it feels like it's a part of the team which is struggling uh, and Leeds really did get at us down those, down those right and left-hand sides, didn't they? Um, I mean, the, the fullback situation, certainly in the right at right back, has been a bit bizarre all year, uh, all season, sorry. I, I mean, Javier Manquillo was there, suddenly isn't playing. I mean, they've is got he, DeAndre. Is he injured or is he unfit or Manquillo at the minute? Or um, I mean, it hasn't been confirmed. This is this is part of the the, the issue I'm going to have with explaining this situation is that they're hard, obviously with, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, uh, the, the situation Newcastle are in at the minute, that with with COVID cases and the like, and having not been confirmed, it, when a player isn't involved, it's sort of difficult to to explain maybe why they have or haven't been involved. So there have been some cases of COVID in Newcastle's defence, and that has affected certain areas. But I mean, before the outbreak of COVID, even the right back situation was strange. As I say, Mankio was in and out. Kraft would come in and then, and then go out again. Then Jacob Murphy was playing as a as a wing back when it well, actually were playing with a five-man defence. I don't know how much the selection of him at right-back was down to, to potential fatigue and, and the after-effects of COVID. I think that that may have had a part to play in, in why the system was like that. And that's why I was saying earlier that maybe actually in hindsight, five at the back would have been a better scenario because I spoke to uh, to John Anderson this morning, uh, obviously former Newcastle United right back does all the commentaries for BBC Newcastle, and he was saying that that he re- he actually felt for for Jacob Murphy because he was just so far out of position, so often, and Leeds just kept on targeting him, and they also targeted Jamal Lewis on the other side and kept getting him behind and kept getting crosses into the box. So in terms of the right back situation, it's all a little bit bizarre, and I'm still not exactly sure what's happening there. I mean, DeAndre Yedlin, they still have a he came on I think for the first time of the weekend, didn't he? But he's he's he could should have well Newcastle wanted him to leave in the summer he wanted to leave at one stage and they couldn't agree an exit from him he may leave next month it was certainly at the end of the season on the other side Jamal Lewis is yeah he's had a bit of a of, of a sticky patch certainly defensively he was he was partly culpable for the goal against West Brom didn't didn't react and didn't clear it and then last night uh, quite often uh, got caught in and behind uh, he's not someone I want to criticise too much he, he's he's only. 12 games or whatever it is and it was Newcastle career he's someone who there's seen it has been very promising I think that the 
the, the disappointment so far from pri- primarily is not so much defensively because I knew when he came in that that was an area that, that, that really they needed to work on. When he was younger, he played in more attacking positions and he was he was changed, he was basically converted into a fullback. But we haven't really seen enough of him in an attacking sense. We've seen that run really, really good ball for, I think, I can't remember who it was against, where he, he played through Ryan Fraser, was it, and, and, and eventually Newcastle scored a few weeks ago. But apart from that, that we haven't Everton, seen enough. Was that Everton game? Yeah, Everton, I think it was. Apart from that, we haven't seen enough of that, and whether that's down partly down to how Newcastle are playing in general, and the fact that he mm. doesn't necessarily have as much license to go forward, or, or for whatever reason, we haven't really seen his, his key attributes yet. He's still he's still a he's still a young lad, and 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 uh, I I don't want to. I certainly I've seen some people maybe even getting borderline writing him off, and I'm certainly not at that stage. He's, he's no, having a, he's having a tough madness. time with it at the minute, but but yeah, he yeah. is he is. Uh, he's he's certainly rated very highly, not just at Newcastle, but at other Premier League clubs as well. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, part of it, it can't be easy when you're constantly changing formations and personnel. You know, if you look about, if you look across the defence, what do you want? What you want? You want. Uh, I think that's probably the the one area of the pitch where you really do want partnerships and you want to know who you're who you're going to be with week in week out. I mean, of course, allowing for rotation and things like that, but you want a bit of stability. I think it's the one area of the pitch you want stability, and definitely as a left back or left wing back. You, you, you sort of want to know who's who's in front of you too, and there hasn't been the building of a solid partnership there. There were early warning signs with Lewis and St Maximin that they would struggle to work together um, because they did give up too much behind them. And yeah, I mean, it, I, th- I think Lees was sort of worrying in that sense. I don't mean worrying in terms of his long-term, uh, you know, proficiency and talent and all that, because I think that's that's there. But he's in a he was targeted and he's in a bad vein of form. The other, I mean, if anything, the other side is sort of even more pe- peculiar because Chris mentioned Mankia. I don't really understand what he's done wrong, if anything. No, um, he hasn't. He's only made a kind of couple of appearances since September, and. I think most people would sort of say that he he has been one of the success stories under Steve Bruce that he's you know that he's one of Newcastle's most improved players and you know he's not a fashionable player or name or anything like that but had had come good I mean had really kind of come good he's certainly limited in an attacking sense but um I mean I don't really see very much from Emil Kraft to suggest that he's He's no. any better, and now we're now we're in a situation where, albeit yes, with uh, COVID and and all that sort of stuff, that would uh, they've tried to sort of fit in Jacob Murphy, Jacob Murphy, who's had some you know some 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 great touches since he's been back into the squad and has has sort of offered things, but he again he was um, he had a really difficult night against against Leeds, and it was. We've talked about it already. The number of crosses that came in, but that that is not it's it, it's surprising in terms of the numbers. It's not surprising watching the way they played last night. It was because it was bad. So yeah. fullback does still. I mean, left back for for ages and ages felt like a prob has been a problem position for Newcastle. It's like they've never had a left back, and then they brought in what's his face on loan last um, Jet last Jetro Williams, who you know did, who did. And then Danny Rose and you know Williams did 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 okay. Rose was disappointing. Thought that that had probably been addressed by signing um, um, I, I Lewis over Williams the summer. Was great, you know. I, I really liked yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm. I thought I'm sure he did well. 
Yeah, from an attacking sure. sense as well. I think yeah, I thought he was a great player. Yeah, I think Lewis will come good, but yeah, it's not a good moment at the minute. What about Paul Dummett? Is he far away from fitness, Chris? Do you know, or is he is he someone who could come back into the team and take a bit of the burden off Lewis? Well, he has suffered setbacks, and uh, he is someone I think there is a little bit of a concern about because he he's had a. I mean, he hasn't played since January. He's had quite a few injuries of over the last few years because when he plays, he he can also cover in at centre back and is is that solid sort of dependable player. But I mean. I've written about this for next week in a piece and also today actually uh, Laurie Whitwell and I have written a story on The Athletic about how Newcastle have potential interest. One of the players are looking at anyway in in January potentially is Marcus Rojo on loan from Manchester United and that's A, because he can play centre-back but also because he can cover in on on the left-hand side of defence and Newcastle my understanding is that, that Newcastle have, have, well, certainly agents have been briefed that Newcastle may be looking for a left-back in January, which came as a bit of, of a surprise to me. I knew that they wanted a midfielder. I knew that they wanted a, a centre-back. But if if possible, they also want somebody in covering on the, on the left-hand side of defence. So Rojo is, is just at one, a number of, one of a number of options. I think there's a little bit of concern because he hasn't played much football, how fit he actually is. But Man United certainly want to loan him out if possible. Steve Bruce we all know his connections at Manchester United and he has been speaking to uh, most of the, the sort of top six clubs trying to trying to see who may be available in January and Newcastle have those two domestic loan slots I don't expect them to spend much money and instead that could be where the sort of reinforcements come in so from a Paul Dummett's point of view yeah, yeah I'm not exactly sure when he's going to be back I think I think we're still talking a matter of weeks away though it's not it's not as if he's imminently going to come back and it is a, it is a bit of a concern because he's obviously not had then the run-up of games. He came back and played for the under-23s. I saw him, I think it was in October, it was Vilka's debut. I, I saw Paul Dummett then and he played a couple of matches, but he's had a bit of a setback, which is is disappointing for him and, and for everyone, really. He was he was actually sitting very close to me at the stands at the at the weekend. And I think it was after um, West Brom scored and Ju- Jamal Lewis hadn't really attacked the ball very, very efficiently. I, um, I did turn to him and say, how are Paul, get your boots on. But... Um, <laughs> He didn't. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Chris's house. 
at the minute, we're, we're currently stuck in uh, a COVID wilderness of difficult restrictions, uh, the highest restrictions available for the Northeast at the minute. And today, uh, they announced that the Northeast will be staying in Tier 3 uh, over the Christmas period. And whatever happened today, it was all... And for and eternity. eternity. Yeah, I think, I've said this before, but I think eventually we'll just cut round the Northeast and float it off into the North Sea. Um, but whatever was going to happen today, it was going to end in tears, wasn't it, lads? You are so out of order. Shut your face, Colgan. Right. Um, well, with that in mind, if you had to form a Christmas bubble with a current and a former player for Newcastle United, who would you choose, Chris? Who would your choices be for current and former player in your Christmas bubble? Well, for former player, I am Bogsying Shola Amiobi. Just because... Yes, Bogsying. Have you never, have you never Bugs- heard that, Tim? Bugsy. Are you too, are you too old? Bugsy. 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 No, no, what are you talking about? No. You don't boxy. You're you bagsy. Boxy. You bagsy. You bagsy. George, am I losing my mind Bags here? Bagsy. Bags what? I'm not sure you've ever had a mind, but that's a different. <laughs> let's not get sidetracked by Chris's absolute wrongness. Boxy. But anyway, whatever. Anyway, I, I, I claim boxy. I claim Shola first because uh, I want to try on all of his hats. And I imagine he has a brilliant Christmas selection of hats. Yeah, but the house will be a mess. Oh, the house okay. will be a mess, though, won't it, when he goes? Have you heard that story? You've heard that story about Shola, haven't you? I don't know whether it's true or not, but it's a great story that's going around that. He, he phoned the police once because he thought he'd been burgled, and the cop has turned up and he just hadn't tidied up. <laughs> well, you want that to be true. I really want that to be true. And what about, what about a current player, Chris? Um, a current player, I would go for... Um, I was going to say Isaac Hayden just to take him away from George, no. but I'll let George oh. have uh, Isaac Hayden. No, no, so, you've got you've got me all wrong. You've got me all wrong. Well, anyway, I'm going to I'm going to go for Alan Sam Maximan just because of how fun I imagine Christmas would be around uh, the Sam Maximan. All right, and the tree would be on fire before eleven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Definitely. Well, he has he has got a pool. There's a, there's a documentary on Amazon Prime in, in a French document, and most of it he just spends in the he's just sitting in the pool texting <laughs> the, the whole of the so. So, what yeah, I'd go around Alan St. Maximan's house. What about you, George? Well, I misread the rules slightly. So, I've, uh, I've, I mean, there's, there are two people who I wouldn't invite. Um, That's not what you were asked. With you. <laughs> no, because it was about, it's about Newcastle. But I've chosen managers. So, I definitely would not invite Rafa, much as though I love him, because you just know that he would arrive and you would, I don't know, you'd serve him champagne and. And smoke salmon, and he would say, "No, it, it it should really be carver, and it should be pate de negra ham, and yeah. this is how you slice it." And then you give him some turkey, and he would insert his he would insert his meat thermometer, <laughs> if you pardon the expression, and he is would that say, a euphemism, George? No, "No, it's sixty seven. It's sixty seven degrees centigrade, not sixty five, so it's overcooked." Anyway, so he would go through all this, and he would tell you how you should be doing it better, and then you would sit down in front of the film, and he would be stopping it every thirty seconds, pointing out all the continuity. Yeah. Um, Things which he which he genuinely does do when he is coaching stuff. Say never watch a film with Rafa because he's he just stops mistakes. it all the time and points out all the. So that just sounds exhausting. I also wouldn't choose Steve Bruce because as long as we didn't have to talk about football, I think that would be quite good fun. I think he'd be a great yeah. laugh at Christmas. But you know that when he kind of rolls out the front door, slightly pissed to go home, you'll open the fridge and find out there's no pigs in blankets <laughs> left because he's just been going back there and nicking them. So I wouldn't choose him either. So I think I would choose, I think I would choose Steve Howie. So, but there, there, there's a few reasons for that. Firstly, he's my mate. I'd be slightly worried about the intake of Bailey's 
and where that might lead us because it's previously led me to the River Weir and I don't think I want to be swimming in rivers again. Um, but he's also a very, very good chef. Oh, is and he? I don't know if people, people of a certain, yeah, people of a certain age might remember this, that when Newcastle, in the Keegan years, they were training at Maiden Castle, there was a club magazine and he contributed, unless I've invented this, I don't think I have, he contributed a regular cooking page in said club magazine and he's cooked for me he's cooked for me we've um eaten together and he's a very good chef so my and it's mainly out of laziness um but he would he would cook a very nice christmas meal i would say isaac hayden because myself and himself have both had the virus already so the immunity is going to be quite high isn't it let's be honest so you could do whatever you wanted exactly you could lick his face we could we could, we could cuddle on the couch any... and watch, watch films all day yeah try not to get jealous george um, and if it's a former player, I mean, there's only one choice, isn't there? There's only one. James yes, Perch. it's James Perch. It is James Perch. But yeah, I'd just be standing making the gravy for the dinner and then get cleaned out by Perchy. Sounds fun. Looking forward to the uh, the festive period, Newcastle have games against Fulham, Brentford in the, what's the name of the trophy these days? The Carabao Cup, is that what it is? The League. Rumbelows Cup. League Carabao. Cup. League, League Cup. Cup. The Milk Cup. Do you remember the Milk Cup? It was Worthington, Little Woods, Worthington Cup, Worthington Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah. Just loads of loads stuff of you can't the, drink the in a in, loads of stuff you can't drink in a pub. <laughs> the insert name of company cup uh, and uh, Brentford in that uh, Man City, Liverpool, Leicester. That sounds all right at the start, and then gets steadily more and more shite as Christmas goes on, doesn't it? Very much like uh, Christmas itself this year. Um, what, what do we think with them um, with those fixtures coming up? I mean, it's going to be a tough old Christmas period, isn't it? And we always seem to be playing really good teams over the over the Christmas period, and th- this year is no different to that, George. Yeah, I mean, obviously, having we've already said that 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 Fulham is a big test for the team um, after what's happened against Leeds. Brentford for me is the big one. I mean, it's the biggest game um, I would say of the of the season so far. That's how I, you know, that's how I feel about cups. I mean, I know that a, a lot of people would say it doesn't really matter what happens because then Newcastle will lose to the first decent team they play. But it's not the way, not the way I look at it. For me, it's the it's the big game because it's the one that offers a bit of difference. You know, whatever seems to happen this season, Newcastle seem to be 13th or 14th or 12th or 11th. And, you know, I'm I'm sort of not interested in that. I don't mean that in a dismissive way, but, you know, the, the, the League Cup is the, is the one, is the one thing so far that offers a bit of difference. And, you know, you and I, Taylor, we were at mm. West Brom last season. We took the microphone, we recorded a podcast <laughs> and it's, the season stayed alive yeah, and it, it was, was just, it was brilliant. And, and it's a, just a great opportunity to get into the semi-final. The, the difference here, of course, is that, um, you know, existence has changed beyond recognition and who knows, who knows if there would be anybody actually at the semi-final and that, that is kind of heartache. I mean, that feels like, uh, you know, heartache for us, but it's a, it's just a great opportunity for something different to happen and for something good to happen. So for me, that's, it's the biggest game of the season. And, um, you know, I really hope Newcastle get through that. That won't be easy. Brentford are doing really, really well. They're a great club. I have um, a Tony banging in the and, goals for them uh, at the moment. 
Ivan Ivan Tony Ivan Tony's doing really well for them. They're really they're a really interesting club the way they've done things, and um, you know they play good football. So that will be a that will be a test. But for me, that's the big one. How about you, Chris? What, what's your thoughts looking ahead at the festive period? Yeah, I agree with I agree with George. And um, I mean, last night slightly made me reassess a little bit. It's strange because we all laugh when. Sam Aldice gets appointed somewhere and we're all like, oh, but you suddenly look at West Brom now, whereas a few days ago I thought, oh, well, they're down. And now suddenly you think, hmm, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that, suddenly, that that it does it does change the perception of everyone. Suddenly you think, oh, well, maybe that gap, which is significant, but maybe that gap isn't quite as as comfortable as it, as it was before. But still, the Brentford game is by far the most important. I think this season, Newcastle have got to, to 17 points already. They're, they're in a, they've got four more points than I think most of us thought they may at this stage. The issue, I suppose, is that we don't expect them to get anything on Boxing Day or on the thirtieth uh, when they play against Liverpool, and maybe not even Leicester. Obviously, we had last year with the however many injuries it was in a, in a short period of time, and end the game with ten men due to substitutions. So that is a concern. But I, ju- I would even I spoke about this to someone the other day, and I, I would even consider maybe resting Callum Wilson on Saturday and playing Dwight Gale and then putting Callum, making sure Callum Wilson's ready for, for Brentford. I think it's that important. I do really believe that for Newcastle to try and get for the first semi-final of the Mike Ashley era, they have a real opportunity there and Brentford are a good team. But Callum Wilson surely can't start every single game over the festive period. And so if there's, if there's one game I, I would maybe consider resting for as big and important as much as it is, it would, it would maybe be Fulham. Otherwise, it would be the week after and, 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 and maybe rest him once he's played so many matches. But my I would be focusing the entire Christmas period on the Brentford game. I need the strongest team out possible. And then the other games we deal with as we can, because I agree with George, I do think it is really essential in Newcastle progressive they can it's a real opportunity it certainly is well there we go chaps that's the end of it and that is the end of this year's pod on the tine as well we're going to take a little break over the christmas period and we'll be back with you in 2021 i just want to say personally as well thank you very much to chris and to george for this year it's been great fun uh, doing the podcast and lads i wish you all the best for the christmas period and i hope your families are uh, have a lovely time and you have a great day on christmas day and you get everything you want especially the severed foot of alan shearer chris i'm never going to get that mental image out of my head uh thanks a lot to you uh dear listeners as well it's been an absolute pleasure bringing you the podcast in 2020 it's been a bit of a funny year it's been up and down newcastle united have provided us uh with little bits of joy here and there but also uh mind crushing headaches at times as well hopefully 2021 will be a bit better with that and of course We'll all be allowed to go outside soon as well, hopefully. And we can't wait to come back in 2021 with more podcasts for you. Thanks a lot, lads. Thank you very much, Taylor, and all the best to you and to everyone out there. I hope you stay safe and have a wonderful festive period and Happy New Year. Yeah, likewise. Let's hope Newcastle don't spoil it for us. Thanks, um, thanks, Taylor. And yeah, have a have a great uh, have a great Christmas and New Year. And yeah, we have passed our one year anniversary bringing you this nonsense. So thank yeah. you very much indeed for listening and bearing with us. And um, let's hope for better next year. Eh? Yes. Thanks a lot, listeners. Take care of yourselves and have a fantastic Christmas and a happy new year. And we shall see you in 2021. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.